guys. Welcome back to Redemption, Memoirs from the Woman at the Well. I'm your host, Tierney Krasowski. These past few months in my life have just been insanely busy and time has just flown by, so I definitely appreciate your patience with me um, in regards to me not posting any episodes in the past few months. Um, I told you guys in July that I had taken a position, um, a new teaching position, and I am just part of an amazing group of women who are building a school from the ground up. I started my PhD in psychology, and I am in the process of becoming a foster parent. Life has definitely been busy to say the least. So during the past couple of months though, I have been faced with numerous challenges that have caused a lot of introspection as well as personal growth. One of the things that constantly keeps coming to the forefront of my mind during these times is the word redeemed. You know, there's two parts um, to the definition of this word. The first part is compensate for the faults or bad aspects of something. And the second part is to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment. The second part of that definition is what really sticks out the most to me, to gain or regain the possession of something in exchange for payment. When we talk about redemption and what it means to be redeemed through Christ, I think that sometimes we skip over the payment portion of redemption. You know, because while uh, while his death compensated for our sins, I think we overlook what it cost for us to be redeemed. The payment was literally the stripping of Jesus's humanity and then his life. He was ripped to shreds for us. Like this man became unrecognizable just for us. And I want you to just pause on that for a moment. He loved each one of us so much that he allowed himself to be tortured in the most horrific and heinous of ways. I can't even begin to imagine what that was like, nor will I even pretend to. More often than not, I try to imagine the perspective of Mary, watching her firstborn son being ripped to shreds and feeling so hopeless, so angry, and so betrayed by God. This I can relate to. This I understand. I think any human who has lived long enough to experience life understands the state of hopelessness. Anyone who has lived through toddlerhood understands anger, and anyone who has siblings definitely understands betrayal. But all joking aside, these are real conditions that plague humanity, even Christians. I can look back at just about any moment in my 20s, and I assure you, it was filled with a deep sense of hopelessness and a false sense of betrayal towards God. I literally found every reason in the world to lash out at God and blame Him for every awful thing that took place in my life. I would ask the age-old questions of, if God is so good, why would he allow these awful things to happen? If God is in control of everything, why doesn't he stop this or fix that? With those arguments raging in my mind during the most difficult times of my life, I can almost hear the internal argument of Mary screaming at God and begging him to stop and fix what was happening to the child she risked her entire life for. I'm not sure if Mary knew that Jesus was going to come back to life after conquering death. Even if she did, there's no way that she could have watched what her baby was going through while comfortably sitting there. I know myself well enough to know that I would be wildly fighting anything that was hurting my child. Um, You know, I know she was feeling absolutely broken while lamenting to God and not having her most heartfelt prayer answered immediately. I cannot even begin to count the times I lamented to God walking away feeling worse than when I started, simply because I had not gotten my way. And again, inaccurately placing the blame on him. So to really understand the gift of redemption, we have to first understand the goodness of God and the relationship between God and humanity. When God created the garden and Adam, 
he gave Adam dominion over the animals and the earth. Then he created Eve from Adam, so he was not alone and had a helpmate. When Adam chose Eve over God, and you need to understand that, that's what Adam did. He chose Eve over God and disobeyed God by eating the fruit of the forbidden tree. He handed the authority and dominion God gave him over to Satan. And I know that this is a really condensed explanation, and obviously there's definitely a lot to unpack with everything that took place in the garden, but this really summarizes it. Adam gave the authority that God gave humanity over to Satan. Understanding that Satan has authority in this realm is really imperative to having a deeper understanding of God and give some insight to the wise. But it also reveals how God gave us free will from the very beginning. Every action we choose has a natural consequence, negative or positive, and sometimes those consequences trickle down for generations. As a parent, it is difficult for me to think about my children having to deal with any consequences that stem from my actions, especially negative actions. But that is what has taken place um, in our lives due to Adam and Eve's disobedience. Fortunately, we were loved and desired so much that God gave us Jesus to redeem us through his own life. Again, I cannot even begin to imagine that. I know without a doubt I would give my life for any of my children without batting an eye. But to be perfectly honest, I'm not certain if I would give it for anyone else. And that's just an honest statement. And I can say definitively that I would not allow my children to give their lives for me, let alone for the whole world. It has taken me a long time to understand what redemption truly is. It's freedom. When Jesus redeemed us, he freed us. He freed us from every single bondage that enslaves us. That bondage includes our own stupid decisions and even the gravity of the consequences we face. Do not mishear me, please. We still absolutely have to face the consequences of our actions, but we're no longer a slave to that. And we are certainly not alone in those moments. The freedom also means that we are no longer held back by past traumas or things that have completely broken us. I can tell you from personal experience that I have had numerous occasions in my life that I spent years being haunted and dictated to from. Anytime I made a mistake as a parent, I was left with this overwhelming feeling of guilt that would leave me incapable of moving forward or left me feeling like I didn't have the right to discipline or say anything to my children because I would feel like a total hypocrite. It was devastating and it created a lot of issues between myself and my two oldest children. This came from me not understanding that I was loved, forgiven, chosen, and free to forgive myself. I was stuck with a false identity and not truly walking in the redeeming love of Jesus. What I have learned and understood about redemption is not only does it mean freedom, it means forgiveness and gives us permission to forgive ourselves, forgive those who have hurt us, and to begin the process of asking for forgiveness from those we have hurt. When I learned to forgive myself and to love myself, and I don't mean a selfish, self-centered type of love, I mean viewing myself and loving myself through the eyes of my Father. I began to learn to love people correctly and view them from the right lens as well. I will give you an example of a time in the past few months that I have known that I was genuinely healed from some things and had a correct perspective about Jesus and who he is. At the end of August, the man who had sexually assaulted me during the course of my childhood passed away. I didn't have an explosive emotional reaction. As a matter of fact, there wasn't much reaction at all. I read what his children posted online about their father and their perspectives were so incredibly different. But mine was this, 
I hoped that he had truly repented and had a right relationship with Christ because I knew that Jesus loved him and died for him in the exact same mindset that he went to the cross for me with. This man was just as chosen, just as loved, and just as precious to Jesus as I am, as my children are, and as you are. Understanding this also gave me a new perspective for the way, um, just for the way I've learned to view and love people. People are really great at justifying why they do things that are hurtful. I know I can always create a justification or have a strong why behind anything I've done. I've learned to try and understand other people's whys, even if it is something that pertains to why they hurt me. I've never walked in that mindset before, and it has literally taken me years to get there. But now that I am, I cannot imagine going back to a place that I don't try to see or understand other people's perspectives. Redemption does not mean perfection. I think when we get saved, we burden ourselves with this unrealistic expectation of perfection and feel like we cannot make mistakes. A perspective that I have that has really helped me to understand the concept of being loved regardless of all my flaws is the way I love my children. I am not blinded by my love for my children, nor do I have this false idea of them being perfect human beings, but my love for them surpasses any mistake they have ever made. When I see them, I do not see their flaws or their humanity. I see these three wonderful human beings who fill me to the uh, fill me to absolute overflowing with love and pride and with an indescribable feeling of this need to protect them. When I think about how much I love them and knowing how flawed it is, I am totally overwhelmed knowing my father loves me like that, but perfectly. When I think about the way I would rip someone's face off with my bare hands if they hurt any of my children, that I would stand between anyone and anything that would try to harm them, I would take all of it for them. I'm overwhelmed knowing that is exactly what Jesus did for me when he went to the cross. I can understand him doing it for my children, but for me? And when I think about that and I begin to try and wrap my head around that, it blows me away. I'm just taken to this place of deep humility and awe because, man, how can you not love him back? How can you not want him back? I think it's easy for people to reject Jesus because they have all these false ideas about who he is and what his expectations are. I remember feeling this constant sense of shame when I would choose to have any manner um, or when I would choose to behave in any manner that was not lined up with the Word of God. And it made it difficult for me to pursue a relationship with Jesus because I felt as though I was not enough, that I wasn't worthy, and that He was ashamed of me. How could He love me? It wasn't until I truly laid everything at His feet and stood before my King as naked and as bare as I could possibly get that I began to understand His love for me the way he actually saw me. And you wanna know a hard truth? It was easier for me to get physically naked with someone than it was to stand before my my father and to just lay myself bare. It took me a while to understand why this was. I always knew he knew everything about me. I always knew he would choose me over and over and over again, but I never trusted him to do it. I had to trust Jesus in a way that I didn't know how to trust, and that was terrifying. I had to make an effort to truly allow him to heal me, to redeem me, and that meant I was going to be losing some of the things that I had spent my life identifying as. See, the thing is, when we get comfortable in our identity, it is hard to change it. My identity was victim. My identity was not enough. My identity was worthless. My identity was broken. My identity was all things negative, and it was all based out of lies I had been told and that I had told myself my entire life. 
So in order for me to move forward in my relationship with Jesus, I had to begin to trust that what he said I said was true, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, that I am blessed and highly favored, and that I am chosen by him. And the hardest one to believe was that he loves me unconditionally. He loves me when I'm at my best and when I'm at my lowest, because like any good and loving father, he does not recognize me by my broken pieces or my idiotic mistakes. He simply recognizes me as his, and he has a longing and desire to pour his love and goodness into my life. When you have grown up in a home as dysfunctional as the one I grew up in, you can relate to how difficult it is to just accept that kind of love. Growing up, there were always conditions attached, and there were most definitely not many instances of true, unadulterated love that simply just chooses you as you are. Trying to wrap my head around an unbroken love with a broken mindset was not easy, but it was worth it. I had to just begin with consistency, not perfection. I had to consistently read my Bible and to seek to understand who Jesus is. I chose to begin serving at my church and became consistent with that. I had to just stop doing so many things that I had done in the past. I couldn't justify being in places anymore that I knew I had no business being in. I had to cut off relationships that were not edifying or godly and that were not drawing me closer to Jesus. It has literally been an ongoing process that I'm still very much going through. I make mistakes every single day. The biggest difference now is that I do not identify myself through those mistakes and I am in a forward moving progression with Jesus. I run to him instead of away from him. On days that I feel like my heart is just shattered, I do not seek the comfort of the world. I seek my best friend. I draw into him. I would love to say that every single time I draw near to him, all the problems or hurts or frustrations are just gone, but they aren't. The thing that never changes though is the peace that comes from drawing near to him. This is what redemption looks like. It looks like a father who loves you, who chooses you, who desires a deep intimacy with you, um, who wants to protect you and fight your battles for you and with you. He wants to take every broken thing in your life and turn it into something beautiful. I know this for a fact because he has done this over and over in my life. Redemption means that we get to have the freedom to walk in peace and love and joy and that we can do this while processing through all the trauma, all the mess, all the brokenness and heal, to truly heal. It means that we can learn to love and enjoy life and not be down, held down with the chains of victimhood. Redemption means that we can shake off all the nonsense of the past and move forward knowing that Jesus has taken it all for us. He accepted the cost and paid our debt. No strings attached. Something I will reiterate is that redemption is not about perfection. It is about understanding your value, your worth, and the desire God has to have an intimate relationship with you. Redemption is about developing a true confidence that comes only from having a relationship with your Creator. Who could possibly love you more than the very hands that formed you? Redemption does not call for us to get shackled and chained up in a religious spirit. It calls for us to walk in the freedom that only comes from Jesus. It calls for us to move in Jesus' direction because He literally moved in our direction in the most profound way. If redemption required perfection, I would have been out a long time ago. I would have been out this morning, if I'm being completely honest. Anyone who knew me 10 years ago, 15 years ago, they knew that my life was totally wrapped up in the approval of the entire world around me and that I needed constant reassurance. I had no idea who I was. I especially had no idea whose I was. I was insecure and completely broken, and this negatively impacted every area of my life. 
I did not know how to be alone. I had to have constant attention. None of the attention was healthy or wholesome and it was extremely degrading, but I accepted it because I didn't know anything else, nor did I believe I deserved anything else. I needed to be at every social event and felt like if I was not invited, I was missing out and the last thing I wanted was to miss out. I did not have the ability to be alone and I struggled with feelings of rejection and abandonment constantly. I was not healthy and there was not one healthy relationship reflected in my life. I didn't know how to set up healthy boundaries or even semi-healthy boundaries. There was an obvious absence of peace. My life is the exact opposite now. I have extreme peace and I guard that at all costs. I have safe and healthy boundaries for myself and anyone I allow in my life. And that is one of the big differences. Not everyone is welcome to have a presence in my life. I will pray for everyone all day, anytime, but not everyone gets full access to my life. And that is important to recognize how unhealthy it is to just um, allow anyone full access. That does not just impact you, it impacts your children as well. My youngest son is much more protected than my oldest two were. I have friends that I've had for 10 plus years and they don't even know where my house is. I am so comfortable being alone and I actually crave solitude now. I crave having one-on-one time with Jesus, no interruptions, and that is really all I need. Don't get me wrong, I'm a total extrovert and I and I definitely need people to recharge, but I'm particular now and I do not have this incessant need to constantly be surrounded by any and everyone. I never feel like I'm missing out on anything. I feel like I am much more capable of mapping out my life and it has order, consistency, and again, it has peace. I also do not have this overwhelming sense of rejection or abandonment. If a relationship ends or there is some kind of issue, I do not fall apart and feel like I'm being left behind or that I have no value. And there's no begging or trying to convince someone to stay. I have amazing perspective about situations and more clarity than um, than I've ever thought possible. To quote my amazing friend, Megan, who, mind you, is someone who probably has more access to my life than she even wants, redemption looks like a successful second chance. When we allow Jesus to redeem us, we are giving him permission to refine us, to remove things, to restore order in our lives, and to take all the broken things and have them reflect his glory, and to allow him to put us on the path that was originally intended for us to begin with. Redemption means love to me. Knowing what Jesus did on that cross for me, for all of us, is the greatest act of love I could ever imagine. I will never be able to love him back the way he loves me, and that hurts me a little bit. But I also know that my children will never love me the way I love them, and it changes nothing for me. I thank you so much for hanging out with me, and I just hope that as you reflect on what was talked about today, that you allow Jesus to just reside in your life in a very permanent way. Thank you so much for all your support, and I will catch you on the next episode.